Welcome to another episode of OTXNT, which stands for Old Testament, Christ, New Testament. Two men, two degrees, Old Testament and New Testament. Listen to Dr. Andrew Marquez and Dr. Benjamin Pate begin a discussion on topics that you and I should probably be thinking about from a Baptist perspective. Hang in there. It's going to be all right. This stuff is good. Hit that like button. Check us out on YouTube. All right, man. Hey, it's good to see you. Good to see you. We're back. Another week or so without an OTXNT episode. We're not slacking, in case anybody's wanted to know. Um, we actually tried to do this episode last week, but we stopped and uh, we said, let's just make that a rough draft because this is a, we want to be, we want to be, make sure that how we talk about it and, and that we're up on our game as we go through it. And so we just want to be a little more, I think polished is probably what we were thinking of uh, as we talk about today, uh, what our issue is or what the, the issue is that we're talking about. Um, so, I mean, here's the deal. We started this discussion just saying in anticipation for what was going to be happening in the convention in June. And boy, is this timely, our part two on on uh, kind of women preachers, uh, because yesterday this was the headline from the Baptist Press. Saddleback Church deemed not in friendly cooperation with the SBC. So in case you have been wondering, I was a Southern California guy. I actually was a member of Saddleback at one point when I was in seminary. Um, you know, it was the largest church in America at one point. And, uh, you know, they were Southern Baptist. Rick Warren was a uh, Southwestern grad, Cal Baptist guy. I was a Cal Baptist guy as well. Um, but, you know, we, we as we talked about in part one of this video, one of the controversies of convention last year was uh, he ordained women. Uh, but the, the article goes on to say that the, the Southern Baptist Convention uh, has now uh, deemed them not in friendly cooperation. They're not in fellowship with us anymore. Uh, and they cited the fact that, uh, you know, that there's a kind of a they're, they're technically they're not co-pastors, uh, but the senior pastor is there. And then his wife is the teaching pastor or listed as the teaching pastor. So I don't know all the. Andrew, I don't know all of the reasons or everything's behind. I'm sure that they have done their due diligence as they were having conversations with that. But that the, the what I think I really want to address in this and what you and I want to address is um, the social media response to this. And we've seen it one of two things from from people who we would say are in the same camp. We're in the Baptist world. And and. One camp is saying, finally, they did it. They needed to get this done. And then you get the other ones that are saying, oh, my, the world is watching. What a terrible thing. Uh, I, I even think it's time for me to leave the SBC uh, over this issue. You know, these these are women haters, things like that. Uh, and, and so I think it's important for you and I to address this for, for our congregations, right, that we need to be able to say, why is it that you and I are saying, you know, um, that uh, we're in agreement with what uh, at least we it seems to be that we're in agreement if we're, we're coming from the same way uh, that the credentials committee came with that that this was not a bad move. Um, so that's what I think you and I want to address, but not because we're looking at credentials. We're just looking at passages that we really think that uh, we, we we have come to an understanding on um, that have kind of shaped how we view ministry and how it should be done. And and we 
you know, we can't we can't go beyond that. So that's kind of where I think we need to be, con- continue our discussion on is more of these passages that it's just hard to get by with. Or to, it's hard to push yeah. those to the side. What else did you want to say before we launch in? Yeah, you know, I, I, I would like to generally applaud the Credentials Committee for making the right decision. I think it, it took much longer than it ought to have taken uh, based upon what we knew last convention meeting. Um, and uh, and so again, th- this is one of those things that's in, important. We have uh, the scripture and we have the Baptist faith and message that we uh, have agreed to as a convention of churches. And if we're not going to enforce uh, the meaning of those documents, you know, if we're not going to lean on scripture and we're not going to enforce uh, the uh, the expectations of Baptist faith and message, then what we really have to question is, do we have a convention at all? And, mm-hmm. and Several ways churches have slipped are uh, in relationship either to just abandoning the teaching of the scripture or uh, giving it some sort of a, a, a false acclamation. Oh, yeah, we, yeah, we affirm everything in the scripture and then re- refusing to discipline those that are out of line with the scripture. And uh, both will destroy the church. You, you either have to um, believe it and affirm it and follow your own rules or you don't have much of a convention at all. And so. Uh, I think this is a good statement. It's going to cause a lot of trouble because uh, there is this question over the role of an associate pastor and if women can fill that or not, that that seems to be unanswered by this. And I think that is going to need to be addressed by the convention. And I think that's where a lot of the frustration um, with the decision is. Uh, But the reality is that there is no associate pastoral position listed in the Baptist faith and message because uh, the word pastor is the word that that we're focused on. And so the idea that we've in the last you know 30 years created all these segmented forms of pastor uh, is something that's really in my mind just kind of a workaround to the clear teaching. Um, you know, if you want to have seven pastors, have seven pastors. However, the, the office of the pastor is restricted to men as a, as approved by scripture, right? So uh, I, I think that this is a good decision. Uh, I'm not necessarily uh, over the moon with how long it took the credentials uh, committee uh, to, to get to this. And and the way that they tried to kind of get out of making the decision last year is still something that is frustrating to me as a, as a Baptist pastor. Uh, but yeah, I think we ought to pray and, and jump into this in a little bit more uh, <laughs> with more rigor and then go to the, go to the scripture because Let's that, do it. That, that's what matters the most. All yeah. right. Well, join me in the Lord's prayer, if you will. Uh, Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So, okay, go back and watch part two, part one, if you've not uh, listened yet. But part one, we tried to deal with uh, the teaching uh, in 1 Corinthians 2, and that is really the most... I think the clearest uh, piece that we have as he's discussing First uh, Corinthians two, and then he goes into First Corinthians, or not First Timothy two, and then First Timothy three, uh, just discussing about roles. And so you have the role of women, uh, and then and how they they are not to have, he says, authority over man. Then you get into the, the discussion of what it means to be an elder uh, or an overseer. Um, and so, but that's a pretty clear one. Uh, this next passage is a clear one, but it's it it's uh, it's not as it's not as easy to kind of untangle how it's it's being it's to be meant or it, how it's to be understood, uh, and that's in First Corinthians fourteen. 
Uh, and so we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 14 today. And I will say this, I just want to address those who are in our congregations uh, who, you know, maybe there's a lot of emotion to this. And I do think that the, the, both sides, if you find yourself in a Baptist church and you're confused, maybe uh, maybe you are, you're, you're upset about this and you do believe that maybe this is a bad move. Uh, it's, 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 um, it's, it's wrong to do this, or maybe you're super excited. I, what we need to try to get back down to is what does the Bible teach? And, 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 you know, what we have seen as we try to deal with this is there's only a few options as we deal with passages like this is one is, uh, and we see this in the old school liberal ones is we just, it, it wasn't, it's not biblical. We'll throw it out. We don't like it. Right. Or, or you see in some, I don't like Paul. Paul's a, uh, you know, chauvinist, we're just not going to deal with that. Those are not options for for Bible believers, right? Uh, and so I think what a lot of people may do is they don't even, they, maybe they don't even know these are there. Uh, or we we live, like I think we talked about, that there's this kind of, I think, a more modern approach today that's taking place, which is they're there, but we don't really deal with them or even think about them, and it's not really necessary. Um, but we can't do that. And so we have to say, so what does this mean? And And we can't just tiptoe around it. We need to read passages like this that we're about to read, and then we need to have a real discussion on what it means. And I think that's where this debate needs to take place is what does this mean and how should we best understand it um, and, and not take those other approaches. And I think there should be some grace in this as we're trying to to, to understand it. Um, it, it. It has to mean what it says. And so we that's what we want to uncover and and I don't think we should fault people who are genuinely saying I'm trying to best understand this as much I really want to know what Paul meant and and we we should not fault people for trying to say I want to unpack that uh, and 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 maybe you have a nuanced difference in that um, but we are looking for what is the best approach for understanding these passages so let's start it up and let's look yeah. at this. yeah. And I would say also that the Southern Baptist Convention has not deemed Saddleback an apostate church uh, that is no longer trying to reach people for Christ or have, have abandoned the, the teachings of Jesus and that they are, are sinful. Uh, we think that this uh, practice is contrary to what the Bible teaches in terms of church structure and church hierarchy. And for that reason, that's a, that's a big enough reason to separate but we we recognize people from other denominations that are still Christians and they're still doing good work and God's using them. But we want to try to structure our own congregation according to the, the teachings of Scripture. And so churches divide over these things, and it's not necessarily hateful or angry. Uh, what, what it is is saying we aren't reading the passages in the same way. And so we no longer agree what the Bible is teaching. Therefore, it's severe enough that we can't necessarily be in the same denomination anymore. So go find another denomination. You know, that, that I think that sometimes this gets put into a category of we hate Saddleback Church, and that's just yeah. simply not the case. Um, but yeah, uh, so again, we looked at First Timothy, uh, women cannot teach or have authority over a man. We, we discussed that, uh, kind of uh, looking at that as can a woman be a pastor of a Baptist church? And, and I think we came to the conclusion, no. Here, I, I think the focus is more about uh, the preaching event. And so, uh, but it is, it's a little bit there's, there's more going on. So let's go ahead and read and, and we'll, we'll jump, jump in. You want me to, um, how about I read through verse 33 and then you read the rest? Well, okay. Um, okay. yes, but I do think, let, let me tee it up with this. Okay? okay. Let me tee it up. And then I want you to start into that. Okay. Before we get to 11 to, to chapter 14, we have to keep in mind, right? That first Corinthians 11, five, which says, 
every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head since that is one of the same thing as having her head shaved. So we'll come back to that in just a second. But there is the understanding Paul has just discussed women praying and prophesying. So that that context needs to be there. He has just written that, and that should tell us something. It should tell us maybe and give us a little bit more into what Paul is about yeah. to start talking about as he launches into 1 Corinthians 14. So bring it up, man. All right. So beginning at verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 14, what then, brothers and sisters, I'm in the uh, Christian Standard Bible, uh, what then, brothers and sisters, whenever you come together, each one has a hymn, a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything is to be done for building up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, there are to be only two, or at the most three, each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no interpreter, that person is to keep silent in the church and speak to himself and God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should evaluate. But if something has been revealed to another person sitting there, the first prophet should be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that everyone may learn and everyone may be encouraged. And the prophet's spirits are subject to the prophets, since God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints. You want to finish it out? Sure. He says, teeing that up, there's verse 34. The women should be silent in churches, for they're not permitted to speak, but are to submit themselves as the law also says, if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, since it's disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Or did the word of God originate from you, or did it come to you only? Um, I'll just go on just a little bit more. Uh, if anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, he should recognize that I write to you uh, what I write that what I write to you is the Lord's command. If anyone ignores this, he will be ignored. So then, my brothers and sisters. Uh, now, the, the word in that is actually brothers. Uh, be eager to prophesy. Do not forbid speaking in tongues. But everything is to be done decently and in order. Okay, so that's the one. And, and every this is where we have to get down to. What does verse 34 mean when it says the women should be silent in the churches for they're not permitted to speak but are to submit themselves as the law says? So, okay, 1 Timothy 2. We've already established, right, that that uh, and three, see, that a woman is not to be a, an overseer, uh, that she's not to be the one that have authority over. He just said, I don't permit her to teach. Um, but this almost, when you just read it on the surface, makes it sound like it's saying she can't say anything when she comes in, that you come in and you keep your mouth shut. Uh, is that what Paul is saying? Yeah, and I, I think that that's real, uh, really important to to work through. Uh, I think that the context is going to give us some clarification. Uh, the The structure of the service is interesting. I think there's something that we got to talk about there. Um, but I think one of the most important things to recognize is that whatever this means, this is not something, as far as I see, that can be discarded as this was just for Corinth. Or this was just a first century thing, uh, because we have some clues in the text here that are saying that this is for churches, plural. So this is dealing with churches beyond maybe just one congregation or at least all the church congregations in Corinth. And uh, when Paul talks about 
this passage in the book of Timothy, or sorry, in the book of uh, First Corinthians, he talks about sending Timothy to you to teach what I teach in all the other churches. And uh, he introduces the teaching he's giving in First Corinthians as teaching that he is also giving in other places. And so this fits that model as well, that this is not something limited to Corinth. Uh, this isn't something we can just say, oh, there was there was something out of hand there that he had to deal with. And therefore, uh, he's being more restrictive here than elsewhere. I don't think that that's a good solution here. So whatever this means, it, it's something that's binding for the churches in the first century. And I think that it goes beyond that because of other contexts that we see with him using uh, references to the law, references to things um, earlier uh, with Genesis and before the fall, after the fall language, uh, that this teaching is flowing from his understanding of uh, God's salvation history. And as such, this is an enduring practice. Uh, so whatever it means, it's not something that was just for Corinth in that place. And it's not just for the first century in that time. It's something that's an enduring practice. And right, I think so we established yeah. that in verse 33, as in all the churches of the saints, right? So this is right. not just we supply a backdrop, like you said. Corinth, yeah. Corinth was crazy. They had these loud women and uh, that was just the practice. And so that's why he's really doing that. Right. Uh, we don't see any references to that, nor do we understand. We also understand that he's making it very clear. This is for all the churches. OK, so. Yeah. The second thing I would look at is yeah. that this this passage is a restriction. All right. Thirty four restricts women in some way uh, to what they can say in in this context. And so uh, is this to say that they couldn't say anything in any context in church uh, ever? Or is this to say that uh, there are certain things that the men can do that the women cannot? And I think if we work that way, it seems less um, severe. Uh, and then we can kind of figure out well, what, what exactly is he restricting? Uh, but I think a lot of people would, would wrestle at that. What, there are certain things in church that men can do and women can't. Um, yes. Yes, there are. You know, that yeah. that's what we see here. Uh, so... Uh, kind of narrowing this down, we, we can kind of get a, a handle on um, women are being restricted in some way. And so if you have a church that says women can do everything that men can do, then they're really not dealing with this passage well. Um, either they're saying it's just completely irrelevant today and we just need to move on, which again, I think that that's not dealing with the text. How, how did you get there when it says churches? And then he goes to the law in verse 34, as the law also says, yeah. and everyone who writes commentaries on this recognized law here is not a Greco-Roman law. Law here is him talking, Paul talking about the Old Testament. And so he's saying the Old Testament restrictions on women uh, are continued in this context, whatever this is to mean uh, as well. And so we, we have a restriction on what women can do. Now, the, the way that people will kind of throw this out is to say, you're saying women can't say anything in church, you know, and it's a house church. You're saying Lydia couldn't even talk like in her own household. How crazy is that? And they try to make this as uh, as hard as possible so that it will sound absurd so that we can throw the whole thing out. Uh, I, I say, well, let's go the other way and say, let's try to understand as, as clearly as possible what he is restricting. Uh, he's restricting women in some way, and it, it's in reference to prophesying here. Yeah, if you look at the whole yeah. context, right? Let's yeah. let's this is a good habit for us. What does he say at the very beginning? So we start in 26 and we're seeing that there's something to do with tongues and that's a great one for us as Baptists to have that one out at some point. I think it's really good. Yeah. We can't just brush that one under the table and say what did that mean? What did that look like? Yeah. Is that Especially in light of verse 40, you know, yeah. or verse 39, you know, do not forbid the speaking in tongues. Yeah, is Sorry. is is that for today or is that for then? You know, those are all great questions. But let's deal with that another time. Not don't just say, well, we don't understand that. Okay. Right. Then we get to the prophecy, okay? And then notice he takes that break 
talks about profits, talks about evaluating the profits, right? Takes a break, talks about women being silent. And then back into verse 37, he says, if anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, he should recognize uh, what that, what I write to you. So it's important that the flow of this whole passage is about prophecy in church or prophecy in some sort of setting the big question yeah. is, is this a formal worship service or is this something different, right, where this prophecy kind of stuff is taking place? But the sect, this is all about prof- prophetic words coming. And, and so I think two questions we have to ask is setting and then also what does it mean? What what are these prof- you know, these prophecies that are going out? Anything I'm missing here? No, I, I think that that's really key here. And And again, we both agree this passage is less clear than Timothy. Um, it, it it doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything. It just means that there there may be a restriction on the restriction, so to speak. That that what Paul is saying about women here might be restricted to a very narrow part of the service or a narrow part of the the Bible study. You know. Yeah. Uh, and so um, that that's okay too. We just have to understand what's being said, and and be willing to say, Lord, whatever it says, I'm willing to obey. Uh, and so um, the the thing is, well, this is an isolated context is skirting around the issue. You know, we want to understand it the best we can. So yeah, I agree with you. So uh, um, just an, another question before we get into yeah. this piece, what would you say uh, to the person who says, uh, yes, you know, this is, this is, what if this is more about um, kind of like in Acts uh, where we have the Jerusalem council and they give these, prohibitions, stay away from things strangled, stay away from blood, uh, you know, to the whole church. Uh, what, what about, would you say to somebody who says this is because Greek culture is different than Jewish culture. And so this is just good practice, uh, to make sure that we're not freaking out, you know, the Jewish, uh, church as we're trying to do church together. What would you say to that? Yeah, I, I would say that, we just got to look at the language. The language is the best uh, guide here. And, um, you know, Paul's been pretty rough on the Corinthians throughout the letter. And, uh, you know, we go up a little bit further to verse 24 and he says, you know, you guys are coming together. And what if, what if an outsider comes into your midst? So this isn't necessarily a closed gathering, but it is a gathering of believers. And the way that they're practicing tongues in particular in that section is causing so much confusion that it is actually hurting the the witness of someone who actually would w- want to visit their church. And so uh, I, I do feel like this is a worship service context. I think that the worship service context here uh, isn't a Jew Gentile thing so much as it is a uh, a response to the radical spirit filled worship that now accompanies the church. Uh, all right, so this is different in my mind than the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God was uh, would fall down on individuals at times for purposes, uh, but Joel had prophesied that there would be a day when the Spirit of God would fall upon all people, uh, men and women included, old and young, and, uh, and then Acts declares that this has happened. And so I think what has occurred is that in Christ, not just men are getting the Holy Spirit, women are filled with the Spirit as well. Galatians uh, 3.28 and 29 tells us that there's no male or female in Christ, so in reference to salvation, we stand as equals. In light of that, I think that the the tendency was to move towards an egalitarian practice in all things. And I think that's what Paul's saying. That is, we're not there yet. You know, when we get to heaven, Jesus says there we won't be male or female in that way. Uh, that's when the total egalitarian thing happens. Of course, we won't be egalitarian. We'll be 
subjects of the king, you know, but uh, the and just to the clarify, state, there will be male yeah. female distinctions still. He created us that way prior to the fall that I don't think so for someone who wants because it's a relevant thing for today. We don't become androgynous right. once we. You know, right. He's, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in, in heaven, our spiritual bodies, maybe they will be. I don't really know. But what we do know is today, uh, today we are still uh, male and female. Uh, we are still getting the gospel message out to a, a physical, uh, a tangible place, uh, Earth, and uh, what the new heaven and new earth will will entail. I'm not entirely sure. We have great descriptions of it, but because of that reality, that we've kind of got a pre prequel, uh, a prequel, a, a preview of the the kingdom of God has come upon us. We we can't jump the gun and say, okay, then we're going to throw out all of the way that human societies are to function and uh, paramount the family and the church. And so I think, and you, you've got something to say on the family piece, but on the church piece, I think what happened is that the women were, were embracing the fact that they were equal in salvation and then um, acting as though they were equal in such a way that, that everything a man can do in worship and prayer and prophesying, they can also do in worship and prayer and prophesying. And I think that that's what Paul's responding to. Uh, and, and that, and he's saying, no, 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 we, we can't do that. And, and he has other teachings in the family and other things where he says, you know, um, submit to one another, but submit in this way, you know, uh, wives submit to your husbands, children submit to your uh, parents, uh, slaves submit to your masters. And so there is still submission. There are still roles. And in the church, there are uh, ways to do things. And so we need to follow uh, his guidance as an apostle. Um, I'll, I'll kick it back to you. So, okay. So let me ask you this then. So you would read first Corinthians 14, as as a worship service okay where do you place first corinthians um 11 that we just referenced as we started where would you yep. put put that when it talks about her uh you know praying prophesying and um and praying yeah so uh john macarthur places first uh, corinthians 11 as daily life and and so a woman, whenever she's praying or prophesying as she's going about, should cover her head as an honor to her husband. And so he looks at head coverings as a cultural thing, not as an enduring thing. Now, we did a head coverings video where we kind of argued the opposite, that this seems to be like a worship service uh, because men are praying and prophesying. And when a woman prays or prophesies, she needs to cover her head. A man shouldn't cover his head. And so I, I, thought, I, I still think that that's also in the context of a gathering, a worship. And so that that. That causes us trouble because Paul can't be contradicting himself. Yeah, I mean, he just wrote I, that three chapters before, right? So I don't he, think you forgot, right? And, oh, uh, I forgot. And so, <laughs> can't remember. Well, let's just change it. Yeah. So, so we have to imagine a, uh, or not imagine. We we have to try to figure out: is there a scenario where both are being uh, held true? And so, one way of doing that is to restrict uh, chapter fourteen to a very uh, narrow part of the service, uh, or to restrict chapter 11 or to um, put chapter 11 into uh, a different format of worship. And, and since we don't have a, an exact understanding of how the worship service went, it's also a little tricky because I don't know about you, but my service doesn't reflect this. I, I don't usually have a time for um, prophetic utterance in my service for anybody who's been gifted or all of my teaching pastors, anyone have a word that they want to share. I, I don't usually do that. I know churches that do, but I, I, I don't necessarily practice in the way that Paul's talking about in Verses twenty six through thirty. Or do we have tongues Great. and interpreters, right? Right. Uh, so I mean, and that's why I think you know this. This is I always feel like we have this in the middle of these uh, episodes. It's like yeah, that's the next one. We got to do that one next. <laughs> uh, but so okay, so that that's a part of that. When I'm looking at this, I'm looking at say like I don't know 
what the one-to-one correlation is between this service and ours. I, I would agree. I think both of these are a worship service. And so I think it's clear, Paul has said, women can prophesy. I know there are some that take a total line and say, no, women do not, they don't read the scriptures. They don't, they don't do anything. And it has to be, I don't, I don't see that. I, I, I think first Corinthians uh, 11, five shows us that there's a role that women are playing in the worship service. So what is it? And so I think it has to come down to uh, this idea of, uh, of what's going on with prophecy. Right. And, uh, and so here's here's kind of where I land, right? As I'm looking at this, there's some correlations here. Notice what it says. So it says uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, it says that um, that uh, two or th- beginning in verse 29, two or three prophets should speak and the other should evaluate. So we have the idea that there's going to be someone who will evaluate what is being said, uh, that he is to uh, make, you know, bring some sort of a judgment of, of what the word is. And that's interesting to me, right? Because this, this is definitely different than preaching, right? A right. lot of times we like to make the correlation that the gift of prophecy is the same thing as teaching. But in this case, it appears that you have a word that's th- that this is not the weighty preaching and teaching of the word, because now you got two guys and you got someone who can say, speak into that in that service. And he has to evaluate what those messages are. Once again, like I, I don't quite understand fully what that context is. Um, but that's the first piece, right? So there's somebody who will evaluate and bring judgment on what are they saying? Then he says, and this is key, verse 30, if something has been revealed to another person sitting there, that first prophet should be silent. Now that's important, right? I mean, think about the words that are being used in this passage for you can all prophesy one by one so that everyone may learn and everyone may be encouraged. And the Spirit's Prophet, uh, prophet spirits are subject to the prophets, uh, since God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Then he says, right, as in all the churches of the saints, the women should be silent in the churches, for they're not permitted to speak. And I think that this is part of what's going on. If you look at what the word choice is, um, I, kind of where I have landed on this, and I think this is following what D.A. Carson uh, has been the one to kind of go walk through this is you you see in this service you have prophetic activity going on. Uh, I like kind of what Grudem Wayne Grudem says as he talks about this. Maybe this is some sort of a there's a word that I want to share. I want to say something. Maybe that's something that's I don't know. Uh, hear me out. This has been interpretation. This could be I could change on this right uh, because this is me trying to find filler in this. But maybe this is a service of some kind where. Somebody's had a devotional. They're like, I just really want to speak about this. I really want to tell you what's been on my heart. Um, and uh, I read this in God's word this week, and I just feel like we should be about this, right? And then there maybe there's somebody else who says, yes, you know, I feel like that. But, you know, I also, you know, God I, I has also placed that this is something we need to make sure that we don't forget and consider. Uh, but there's somebody in there who needs to kind of, you know, that they, at some point will get up and he will make a maybe an evaluation, say that's been good. But we need to make sure that we keep this in mind. Something maybe evaluating, critiquing, or um, or focusing on on um, you know on what the message was about, right? Redirecting focus there. Somebody who's going to evaluate. And it says that um, that those guys after they've spoken need to sit and be silent. 
And I don't think it's it's a you know, I don't think that uh, it's a coincidence that he tells them that they need to be silent. And then he uses the exact same word when he says that women should be silent. And so I think the argument that is being said is women can prophesy. But in the end, the authoritative like let's redirect our focus Let's uh, let's talk about let, I'm going to give you now church. Let's bring it back together. And this is what this is all about. That can't be her. She can't be the one to have authority and to critique or to evaluate publicly any of that stuff that's going on there, because there's an authoritative piece of being that that critique, that that being that authoritative voice there, uh, that teacher voice that would come. Uh, and it says that she can. So I I would take this to mean that she has a role. She can share something that's on her heart, uh, you know, uh, in this capacity. But at the end of the day, uh, she's not to get up. And to start critiquing what other people have said or to bring that that evaluation. And I think that's part of that is tied to he brings it into the husband wife relationship right here. Verse 35. Right. If you want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, since it's disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. I think what he's saying is like, like, go talk about this with your husband at home. You can't do this here. Uh, part of that also is the way that the church, the home has been set up. I think this is tied to how God's standards are, that he wants the husband to to lead in the home. You see that in Ephesians 5, uh, right? Wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife. Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Uh, and so it, it goes on, right? And it gives those instructions of here's how the 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 home is supposed to work. And so in the same way of here's what the home is supposed to look like, those roles can't flip in the church, that how it's reflected in the home needs to be reflected in the church. And so uh, it, it, so that's where I'm taking this. And that's kind of where I've landed. Where where do you land on this? Do, do yeah, you have anything I, you'd I, add? I think so I'm I'm not so sure in this context that the women are prophesying. Um so I, I think part of the issue I have is that um the, the prophets, the evaluators are the prophets. So, you know, if you're gonna have two or three prophets um, share, then it says that the ones that are evaluating are the other prophets, right? So um, so if, if women are among the prophets prophesying, then I don't see how they're not among the evaluators evaluating. And so I, I, I think that we still wanna try to envision the, the, the senior pastor in here kind of guiding this discussion. And, and unfortunately, Paul doesn't give us that. Um, and so it, it seems a little strange and the, the, the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets, meaning that, that there's a certain gift. And, and Paul, prior to this, is talking about desire the gift of prophecy. That, that's, the, that's way more important than tongues, uh, that, that that's going to be more edifying. And so there are people who have that gift and people who don't have that gift. And so I, I think that this is more of a, a teaching type of situation. And in this context, uh, you might get someone who, who is feeling like, hey, I read this. I don't I don't see it. Uh, I'm thinking that God's calling us to do this, that, or the other. And the other prophets are like, you know, I think that's you, not necessarily the spirit. We're not feeling a, a sense of that. And it's it's kind of a safety net to make sure that somebody doesn't just have, uh, it's the old business meeting. Well, God told me we need to go build this property. Well, God God told me not to. So who's right, right? You know, um, you can't just pull the God card on everybody. We, we've got to have some sort of um, conditions here. So my view is then that um, the, the second part here is that women in this context are, are not supposed to be active in this way. Uh, now, I think that there are contexts where women can be active. I, I just think that our worship service is really not designed in the same way that the Corinthians was. And because of that, we don't have a correlation in the same sense. I, I feel like our our version of this, of what you described, is more of kind of like a Bible study setting. 
And we, we kind of go around and say, Hey, what, what do you all think of this? And in that context, I think it's totally fine for women to be engaged if that's kind of the structure of, of the deal. Um, but uh, since I think this is more of a worship service, uh, I'm thinking what we have is um, some men that are, are sharing some things. And in this situation, women should not be evaluating. And if they're not evaluating, they're not among the prophets to begin with. Um, so my, my question then is uh, what, what is first Corinthians 11 referring to? Uh, because I don't want to read first Corinthians 11 exactly into this text, I, but, but women, I, yeah, go ahead. You know, you bring up something interesting. I haven't thought about, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, I don't want to uh -huh. let this part go. There is something to be said about doing business of the church. Um, and, and, you know, there is that place where we, um, where we all get together, you know, as Baptists, we're very formal. We have our business, quarterly business meetings, two weeks ahead for a special call. Uh, and then we get in there and we say, well, I really feel like we should be doing these things or these things. And I don't think they had that. I, I'm sure they didn't have committees on committees and nominating committees and every committee for this. And, and, and maybe there is an aspect to that where this is all part of how they did their business. And, and maybe that is where this prophetic word kind of stuff fits into is as we're trying to figure out what's next, where do we go? Uh, maybe separate from that teaching. So I, I think what you brought up is interesting. I, I sorry, I just, I couldn't hold yeah. back uh, because there is, wh when did they do those things? When did they talk right. about that? And that might be part of what we see there. I just, that's an interesting, that's an interesting thing as another kind of, how would this fit today? Okay. Sorry. Go back. Yeah. You context and, of first Corinthians 11. Well, and so, so my view there is that 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 passage is a contrast. You know, a man should not pray or prophesy with his head uncovered, nor should a woman pray or prophesy with her head. Sorry, a man shouldn't prophesy with his head covered. A man, a woman should not prophesy with her head uncovered. Um, so it, it's just a contrast. If some men do these things, and if they do these things, they shouldn't uh, have their heads covered. Uh, women do. If a woman was to do these things, she would have to have her head covered um, because. Uh, because there's this sense that she would be, again, uh, viewed as usurping authority. And so her head covering is a safety, essentially, of saying, I am still acknowledging my husband's authority, and, and that gives me some freedom now to do these uh, more ecstatic things. So I can envision, if you are going to do it this way, um, then what is the symbol of authority that your wife is wearing so that we don't confuse the matter? And my issue when we went to that head coverings passage is do whatever you want. But a woman ought to have a symbol of uh, authority, uh, not her authority, her husband's authority. And so if we're not communicating that, then we're kind of defeating the purpose. And a, a man should not do anything that would cloud the authority of Christ that's placed him as the head. So I, I can envision something like this where, OK, the reason it's permissible is because the woman's covered her head. Uh, and so there's a very exterior symbol of saying, uh, I, I don't agree with what is going on in, in that statement, but I, I still will submit to my husband, you know. Um, but even in light of that, I would say, you know, because some people will argue that this passage is just about wives and their husbands. And so women can be evaluating and all these things. They just can't evaluate the husbands. Um, they should wait and talk to their husbands at home because it would be perceived as them um, stepping over their husband's authority. And it would be embarrassing to him. and It would cause conflict. That very well might be what's going on here. Uh, but I, I still just have a hard time then getting over the fact that, OK, Every woman who's not married can prophesy. Yeah. Just the married woman can't, you know, and, and that seems yeah, to that, be that doesn't seem to fly. I don't think that's yeah. there. So what I kind of envision is perhaps there is a, a time of worship where everyone's together. And in that context, especially in the prophesying role, which is the focus here, I, he doesn't really talk about who can sing the hymn earlier. They talk about each one brings a hymn. He, he doesn't say women can't necessarily sing. 
Um, but it, in reference to the prophecy, uh, he's restricting the women in that way. So I, I think it's in regards to prophesying, uh, because the prophecy does entail a level of authority. Or I, I, I sense God is leading us to do these things, and we have to evaluate and make a decision on whether or not God's calling us. That's authoritative in my mind, and that's really what the preaching role has taken over in most of our context. Uh, I don't think women should be active in that role, but I, I envision, just like I do in my church Sunday morning, we finish with the proper worship context, and we split up, and the ladies have their study, men have their study. Young couples tend to want to be together still. They haven't gotten tired of each other yet, so we have a couple study. And in those contexts, um, we, we have that open, and the women can talk. In the women's Bible study, I have a woman who's teaching that Bible. She's prophesying, and we may have um, some ladies that are, are former teachers in that class, and they're prophesying. And I think in that same context, there would be a check and balance on the, the ones teaching by other mature believers who also have a good uh, walk with the spirit. And so I, I kind of envision that's where the women are praying and prophesying, um, even though we don't have a detail. Uh, so so that's kind of how I take it. Interesting. Um, but I think there's room here. There, again, this is not as tight. Now, every Sunday, I'll tell you one thing we did. We started during COVID. We, we actually have um, everybody who's got a birthday. Now, I got a small church. Uh, on the birthday, we say, whose birthday is it? And, you know, people write out their friends and people are excited. And and I, I ask everyone whose birthday it is, when did you give your life to Jesus? And it's a very short time for testimony. And um, and some haven't yet. I, I used to try to be careful if I don't know. Um, but but generally, we used to have testimony services. This could be a, an old-fashioned testimony service. Uh, and I don't think women don't have a testimony to share, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, th there's a part of my service where people just share when they came to Christ. And there typically is uh, a prophetic thing happening there of saying, I've given my life to Christ. You know, the unstated thing is, will you give yours? And then we sing happy birthday. Now, some people might say, well, that's not proper in a worship service because it's not, what's the, um, uh, the the language there? The um, Oh gosh, you know, I'm talking about the, the order of worship and what we are and we're not uh, allowed. I know about. what you're saying. I can't even think about the time. Regulated or yes. uh, regulative, regulative uh, principle. principle. But yeah. I, I look at that as, okay, this is a way to celebrate someone in the church and testimonies are part of the regular principle, I think. And so I, I've tied in that to testimony so that it's part of worship. Now, other people don't do that. And that's fine. That's just something that we did in COVID because it just, we needed to stay tight together and we haven't given it up. So I, I like it. Um, I let women talk during the worship service and I have no problem with that. I, I don't think I'm violating everything, Yeah. but I wouldn't necessarily say we've got an IMB missionary here this Sunday and I'm not going to preach. Um, we're going to let her preach this Sunday. Now, now I think I've, I've crossed a line here, um, but I would during announcements, which is not formal prophecy, let that person share of what God is doing over the field. I, I don't think I'm violating anything in that way. Yeah. And so that's where I think the restriction here is tied more to that authoritative preaching role, which was mostly men. And if women are doing it, I envision a context where they're not doing it, where it would suggest authority over men. So I, I envision kind of a women's uh, study here. I so, could be wrong. I could be overly restrictive there. Yeah. So uh, I, I as, as you and I are thinking this through, I think to me, the only thing I think that makes sense for this is is one of those two options, right? Either this prophecy is a, I have a word. I really feel that God wants us to do this. Whether that was a, they had that built into their worship service or the way that was in their business time, business time is the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, and they're just kind of going through. And, and in that case, She's not to she is not to judge those or to be the authoritative voice to say, here's where we have to go. I'm not going to judge these men's thing. I, you know, I'll let the husband deal with that or I'll let the other prophets or the, the main elder to deal with that. Um, or the prophecy is seen within line that 
prophecy is the preaching and you know uh, and the teaching that's going on uh and and in this case the prophecy is you know maybe they had two or three preachers in a day uh you know that in a message and that's one true. guy is preaching and the other guy will come and preach later on and uh, you know, and, and you'll see that. And then you're saying that if that's the case, then First Corinthians 11 is speaking about then she is and she has the ability to teach and to, and, to, and to her people. But it has to be, as you know, I think how Titus will tell us, too, that there's a place for, uh, um, you know, for um, uh, for who who is her audience, other women. Uh, you know, and, uh, and, and children and things like that. Um, and so th I think that's one of those two things, right? That we have some, something is going on there and it seems to be, uh, it, it's, it has to be, I think, restricted to this idea of the prophetic, the prophetic word. And then, then we really have to dig into then what is that? Right. So I think with that being stated that it's in the context of these prophecies, whether it's a Let's share it's on our hearts, and we need to really yeah. talk about this. But this is, and I think it it has to it has to be some sort of authoritative piece too, teaching the church, but not necessarily the preaching piece. Or it's you know multiple preachers. It's in that, and like you'd said, we don't see that. I don't think we see those same things placed on in terms of other where other ways that the church is going on. I don't see here. I I don't see this being saying she can't preach. I I mean she can't uh, pray. Uh, right. That it doesn't, I don't see that, that thing to say, she's not allowed to be somebody who can get up there and pray. I don't think that there's something that says she can't get up there and read, read the scripture, uh, for the day, uh, to do any, any of those pieces or to sing or to lead in the singing. Um, I think this has to be restricted and it ties in somehow to that, you know, whether that's reflective of how that relationship is to work of, of you know authoritatively bringing the focus back and here's what we have to be about or authoritatively teaching and preaching so anything else you think on that as we try yeah, to sift I, through that i think that, that you know, for, for me the key is that um it's it's the uh protestant hermeneutic principle of difficult texts are, are interpreted in a lot of clearer text and so for me first timothy helps me understand this so, so whatever is going on here um the, the women in this context if, if in in first corinthians 11 are not teaching or having authority over men and so if you can envision a way that they can prophesy and participate in verses 26 through 33, that's not teaching or having authority over men, then, then I think Paul was okay with that. Uh, if, if you can't envision that, I do struggle with that from the way I read it, then you would envision a, a place, you know, and MacArthur says it's just going and coming and going, not worship. I, I think it is worship um, that they, however they do that. Uh, they need to do it in such a way that they are not teaching or having authority over men. So maybe a women's group, maybe it's children. I mean, yeah. we do know from Titus that older women were to instruct the younger women to, uh, you know, to love their husbands and take care of their children and um, not not be lazy and, and and all the things that, you know, the older ladies have, have done it and seen it done, know how to do it again. Uh, I'm not needed for that. In fact, I'm not even as equipped to do that as some of the older ladies are, you know, so uh, that, that's the kind of thing that I, I envision. When did that happen? Well, I, I think maybe there was time at church where the ladies all got together, you know? So yeah. that's where I would kind of see that as a natural fit. Um, but again, I, I'm, I'm basically trying to figure out how this fits together. I know Paul's not contradicting himself because the Bible doesn't contradict itself. Uh, so, but, but it, the context doesn't really tell us in light of how we've been doing things, how it perfectly fits so, together. So um, my biggest thing is you, she can't have authority over, uh, over the men. And so um, that, helps me narrow this down a little bit and it would then speak to today okay you know maybe there is a place where women can share and speak in church however if it is an a, a teaching with authority 
uh, she can't do that. And, and this is why, again, going back to Saddleback, uh, your, your wife is the teaching pastor of the church. And it, it's not a women's pastor. It, it says teaching pastor. Um, now, I don't know the whole ins and outs. I'm just saying that this is the title that I've seen uh, of the new uh, pastor's wife. The, the, it's a couple. He's the lead pastor, and her title I, I saw was teaching pastor. Um, that seems to go against First Timothy to me. So, so that means that you have seen First Timothy and said, this can't be a, um, a an enduring text. And, and we landed on the other, other side. So, but I, what I hope you're hearing, you know, listening to us today is that uh, we're not just chauvinistically trying to say it's a man's world and, and women, you know, put them in their place. We want to use women in ministry as fully as the first century was, as fully as God will permit, because the ladies have a lot to offer. Uh, but what we're trying to do is wrestle with the scripture, you know, and, and understand what is it, what's allowed just because I might like something. It may not be permissible according to scripture. Yeah. Well, I, and I think, I think this is where it comes down to for you and me is right. Is uh, which, which way do I want to err? Right. Do I want to err on, I'm trying to be as faithful as my understanding to my understanding of the scripture as I can be, or do I want to err on the side of, of, you know, uh, where, you know, trying to be more culturally relevant. Um, and look, I mean, you look and, and uh, you know, as I just read some of the stuff, the, the, the responses to what's gone on is there's so much confusion. Um, and at the end of the day, what I, what I want people to hear is if you disagree with us here, here our heart, right? I, I I'm reading this and I'm just trying to say, I, I don't, I don't know any way other around this. Right. And, uh, and, and I, 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 in the hermeneutic that supplies, I'm trying to read it within the context that it has. I'm not trying to supply another one. And and believe me, we've tried to look at this from angles to try to see any other way. Uh, but, but this is where we come down. And, and, um, and so it's not that I began with this idea that I really feel like we need to make sure that it stays this way, but it's, it's legitimately like we're looking at these passages saying, this is what God has set up. And and I will say this, maybe some will say out there, well, it just doesn't make sense. Why? Right? Why? If if Galatians tells us that there is no male or female, why? And and, and Paul says this. He says in the church, verse 34, right? He says, but uh, for they're not permitted to speak, but are to submit themselves as the law also says. What does that law mean? And I think you'd correctly said he's referring to the Old Testament. I think there's some pieces to that. If you look, I think you look at creative order as uh, Paul, as uh, it, Genesis sets out, uh, man was made first. Uh, and uh, and then Eve, he Paul will clarify that in First Timothy two as well that he goes to the creative order uh, that that's how that is. You'll see in uh, in Genesis chapter three as a result of the fall, there's going to be this tension always now for headship uh, going in there. But then throughout the law and throughout the the Old Testament, you do see you see that this is the the this is kind of the setup that God had had placed there. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that's what Paul is saying is that this is God's design and it's not, it's not just because we want to do it this way. I, I think there's something to be said. And I, I do think that there's something to be said. This argument about how this should, it should go into the home is, is look at, look at verse 35. And I'm going to ask husbands this, if you're listening to this, they want to learn something. Let them ask their husbands at home since it's disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Husbands, if you listen to this, are you a capable leader in your home? 
do you know enough Bible to teach your family? If not, you have you have lost your place and you need to regain that, right? Part of headship means I am spiritually responsible for my home. So sure, pragmatically, a woman can run the household. And people say, well, I've got strong women and, and the woman runs the home. But, but, but spiritually, here's what God had set up. He's always had this as the setup. And so I don't think that you should say, well, just because it can function this way doesn't mean that that's not what he wants. God wants men to step up, pull up your big boy pants and lead your family. And I think that that also ties into how the church runs, that that's not suspended in the church, that we st he still, he did that pre-fall. He wanted this to be the way that men were to lead and women were to be the helper of their husbands, right? As they go and take on these tasks together. Uh, and uh, and so, I mean, that's another one we can do at some point is, is headship in the home and what that should mean, because I don't think it means what people think it means is like submit, be barefoot, pregnant, and cooking for me all the time. That's not what that looks like at all. Uh, this is a team effort of charging the hill together, husband and wife team, uh, both created in the image of God, but different roles. Uh, and so I think that's what it comes down to is we recognize that Paul's not just pulling this out of thin air. He's not just saying, hey, this is how it should be because men are better or whatnot. Like he's saying, God has designed this. And if this is God's design, I don't want to, I don't want to throw that out because it's not relevant anymore or it's not cool anymore. And, and the truth is, I think more and more I'm being challenged on where will I stand? Will I be seen as relevant or do I want to say I want to err on the side of this is what it says. And if I truly believe this is what it says, I need to hold that line. And that's where I'm at. I, I, I truly yeah. believe this is what it's trying to say. I want to hold the line. And and again, there's denominations that don't agree with us. And Absolutely. so they, they've got more room for, for women to serve in ways that, that we don't have. I think they're wrong. Uh, that, that's why I don't belong to those denominations. Yeah. But I don't I don't run around condemning. That's not the highlight of my life to condemn uh, this church, that church or the other. Uh, you know, I, I've got enough to worry about trying to be a faithful witness. And so we're we're trying to read the scripture and uh, act accordingly. And uh, there is some room for disagreement. Now, again, we, both of us agree that these passages haven't been discarded. Now, a lot of those churches have just said, well, Paul was a crazy person or that this was just for Corinth or Ephesus and it has no bearing today. Or, Women weren't educated. They they import some sort of reason that Paul doesn't give. And we've kind of agreed that if, if the Bible doesn't give the reason, then we can't discount it. Uh, now, here we have a disputed uh, it's not really dis it's disputed uh, in interpretation because the text itself gives us a unique context. And so we, we have to work through that. Um, but we're, we're being text driven. And, and so I think that that's just really uh, important. Um, you know, the other thing you were talking about men and, and women in, in the home, um, Al Mohler had, I think, a perceptive concept uh, when he said that a lot of times if women will take over something, men will allow their wives to do it. And one of the things that may be why God has set things up the way he has is because he is trying to develop faithful men who will be faithful in uh, proclaiming the gospel in this generation and reaching the next generation and, and trying to reach the lost. And if the women will take that on, the men will recede into the backdrop happily, less to worry about. And you, how many churches have you been to where the women are running everything? And, and it would be, uh, if a man came in to, to take over something, they, they pray for it, but they might not step aside if he did show up. And what happens in those churches is they don't attract any men. Yeah, uh, and, and it's just something about our nature that, that men will follow men, women will follow men and women, 
but men tend to not follow women as as well. And you could say, well, that's because we're all terrible chauvinists. It, it could just be a product of the fall. Uh, but one of the things that women can do is recognize that there might be some other things here that aren't even stated in terms of just the way men and women interact with each other and, and they work. And that, that part of the reason that Paul's saying that this needs to be maintained is because he sees the uh, the undermining of of good, strong Christian men in in folding on this. And you, you know, go to Isaiah, go go to some of the prophecies about the the women who took over society, and what's going to happen is uh, uh, their men will be uh, weak, and eventually they will be conquered, and then the women will be conquered by a foreign group of men. And and so th this is something that you see in society. And and so uh, not going to happen in God's church. That could be underneath it. But we didn't really use any of that to understand this passage because that's not what the passage gives us. And so we, we have to restrict our conversation to this, but, but it is an interesting larger conversation to have in light of other things. And so if you wanted the why, we can put a lot of things in that are very meaningful whys. Paul just says this according to the Old Testament law here. And if you want to know the law, I would say go to Timothy or go earlier uh, in the passage where he talks about um, uh, uh, chapter two, I think in uh, Genesis chapter two is, is talked about earlier in the book of first Corinthians. And so it would be a pre-fall discussion of uh adam being made first and then eve so i don't know man we could we could stay on it forever no, but no, I, again it's, it's i'm good. with you yeah i think this is a good one to kind of finish at I, I think there might be a place for another discussion of just uh you know if we want to look at uh, maybe you know uh, I mean, you and i like staying text driven trying to deal with this but maybe there is a place to talk about the kind of the sociological pieces to it too uh, and maybe there is something to that, but those are going to be more arbitrary or more, you know, subjective versus like, this is where we're at. And, but I do think this is helpful for you and I, for our own congregations to say, guys, like, look, this is, at least this is where you and I believe as, as pastors of our congregation, uh, you know, as teaching through, this is what we believe on these things. Um, and this is why, uh, and trying to show you that uh, it's it, from the place that we're coming from, uh, that it's it's not it's not meant to be. We're not trying to do this. We're not trying to be restricted. We're just trying to say, what does the text mean? Uh, and uh, and we're trying to to we can't jump that. We can't forget it. We can't, you know, and, and you know, there's going to be things that that should there should always be things that rub us the wrong way. Uh, that we should then say, so what do I do with it, right? And I need to do something with it uh, and say, how do, I, how do I respond to it? How do I humbly receive it as the, what James says? Uh, and that's something that we have to say is there needs to be some humility in how we do this. Um, but I will say, you know, I, I, you know that, um, that, yeah, at the end of the day, once again, this is one of those ones that there's some clear things that he's saying uh, and it all ties together and, and you know, this is where we're at. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, I can understand what the credentials committee was doing. I would want to say this, if, if we want to, for just a second, uh, as we go back to that kind of initial question that we had in first, the first video of could a woman pastor a Baptist church? Uh, I found this from Al Mohler because he was one of the writers of the Baptist faith and message 2000. Uh, and he wrote this. He said, if you wonder what the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 committee met by pastor, here is a statement authored by Albert Moeller, Richard Land, Chuck Kelly, all members of the committee, officially designated to make the statement published by Lifeway. So this was this was in uh, published by Lifeway as well. We also affirm that the office of pastor is limited to men qualified by scripture. The This assertion has become controversial 
only in recent years. Until recently, all Christians affirm the pastoral office is limited to men recognized as fully qualified by biblical definitions. The Bible clearly reveals a complementary relationship between men and women. Both are equally created in the image of God. Uh, and he says, see Genesis 1.27, Galatians 3.28. Uh, both are gifted for service in the church, but the New Testament defines a pastor who is the husband of one wife, 1 Timothy 3.2, and a man gifted by God to fulfill the pastoral role. God's instructions is for men to assume and fulfill the preaching ministry. Many other ministries and responsibilities are available for the church and for men and women. As Christ made abundantly clear, there is no shortage of work for his disciples to do. Then he finishes up speaking, commenting on that statement that was put out. The logic is simple. The function and the office are the same. A pastor fulfills a pastoral role in a pastoral office. If the person is not fulfilling the pastoral office, why would you use them? At the very least, such is such use is confusing. But I do like that, right? Is that statement says we're, we're, we're limiting this, and I think it's very clear, it limits to the preaching uh, and, and the pastor, the office of pastor and his role as the preacher and authoritative voice for the congregation. Um, I, I think there's a lot of freedom and a lot of liberty outside of that. And I think that's one of the things I like about being a Baptist, that we we're not we we are affirming that God has called men and women to to be part of the worship service, be part of of uh, of of the ministry of the church. But at the same time, we're very clear as Baptists, uh, not because we're Baptists, but and we try to string these verses together. No, we've read the scriptures and we've let that inform us um, that uh, that there are some limits that God has placed, not us. And and passages like what we read today are somehow fit into that, into that. And as you and I try to say, that may be in kind of your position. That might be that that's talking about the the worship service, the preaching and the teaching, or some sort of other function in the in the church. But there's authority piece that's involved. So, anyways, that's all I got, man. I just want to throw yeah. that out there too, uh, as we kind of close up. Yeah, I, I think it's really helpful. Again, you know, th this is not something that. I've struggled with this passage because some of the most godly, wonderful people that I know are are women, and some of the women who know some of the Bible much better than some of my men. Um, and so it's something that I've struggled with. And when you when you wrestle with the text, though, you really just you have to come out. There is a restriction. Uh, so if if your church has no restriction, then how are you incorporating what what is here? Uh, you, you're, you're just discounting it. And I think a lot of the people in our churches, since we don't talk about this on every Sunday, it's it's not a ton of passages on this. They aren't familiar with First Timothy 2, and they're not familiar with First Corinthians 14. And and so people are making an emotional response of this must be coming from a, a place of uh, chauvinism and uh, just uh, inappropriate masculinity and all this, uh, when the reality is it's coming from a, a deep concern from uh, people trying to understand the scripture and, and incorporate it appropriately. And uh, at least that's for me, you know, so if other people are doing this for, for nefarious reasons, then that's, that's on them and the Lord. Um, but, you know, uh, I would challenge you, read, read the passages, read, read Timothy, read this passage, uh, listen to what we've said. There's people that disagree with us, but I don't know that anyone who disagrees with me um, is always disagreeing with me on solid scriptural exegetical grounds. And if you're going to disagree with somebody, it's got to be because you you can understand the text differently, uh, not because you don't like it and you just want to throw it out the window, which is what I think the majority of our uh, teachers today 
do, unfortunately. There are there are good people to the to the other side. All right, I'm rambling. I'm going to drop it. You want to close this out? I, like I said, I think the, the the most respectful way to have to do with this is to say, well, how, let's deal with the text and let's come to a let's 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 find out where we disagree. But I think it has to come from a place of forget the forget the 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 that this is an argument that's happening outside and forget what people will say and pressures. And let's just say, how do we come to the text? And, and you will find, I know there's good guys that, that we know uh, guys that we have read guys that we, we like their work in other areas too, that we say on this issue, we're, we're different. Um, but, but this is what we believe. And this is why we're Baptist, right? This is part of what it means to be a Southern Baptist. Uh, is this is the reason we align. I align with some is because these are the things that we start to see and say we align on these areas. Um, you know, so anyways, we're rambling as well. I'm rambling. All right, let's let's close this out and uh, let's be done for this one. Uh, it was, here, let's let's pray. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. Hey, thanks for watching. Um, once again, comment. I know we've had some really good comments on the last one. Uh, on this. Um, and uh, and I know we probably need to deal with some of the other questions, and I know we want to. So maybe some of the sociological pieces of it um, and uh, and maybe some of the missiological questions of this, because it's a big thing about what do you do with missions? We had a great comment uh, from a friend who had asked about what do we do with context where maybe you have a, a higher matriarchal society and things like that. So I think those are uh, that's another video that needs to come at another time. Uh, but we do. We need to continue this discussion. Uh, but we want to hit this one hard because uh, this is really fresh news, less than 24 hours uh, old, uh, I believe. And so um, but I hope this was helpful. And uh, let us know. Like, subscribe. Uh, thanks for listening and talking with uh, a little bit more with us. And uh, let us know what you think. All right. God bless. All Take right. care, everyone. Take care. Bye bye.